Good morning. Like Randy mentioned, I'm going to be continuing uh, the message series that we started a couple weeks ago called The Gravity Effect. And The Gravity Effect really looks at the thoughts and emotions that we focus on that tend to spiral us down into a direction that we don't want to go. Before I dig into today's message talking about how to deal with the gravity effect as we relate to others, I thought uh, I would review where we've been headed the last couple weeks. Uh, The first week, we opened up the series talking about Uh, Basically, our life and our joy is determined by what we choose to think about. And we focused on the fact that uh, changing our mind about something uh, is the key to changing our life. And as you enter in a relationship with God and as you walk with him, he begins to transform your mind. And that has the power and God gives us the power to actually change the direction and the course of our life by what we choose to think about. Last week, Randy talked about really how We are headed on a path that's very much determined by how we view ourselves. And really, the only accurate estimate of my value is to set it by the one who made me, Jesus Christ. And by setting our accurate identity on him, he determines our value. Not our circumstances, not what we've experienced, but but him. And an accurate self-image is key to not being pulled by the gravity effect of negative thoughts, and emotions. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about this idea of a collision course. Uh, As we deal with things within ourselves, and we deal with our self-image, and our value, and the things that we choose to think about versus the thing that God wants us to think about, this also plays out in our relationships with others, whether that be in uh, work situation, family situation, with friends. Uh, There's just these rubs that can happen within ourselves, thoughts that we have that can cause the gravity effect to take full effect as well, just pulling us in a direction that we don't want to go. I wanted to show you a video which is kind of an outward uh, expression of what can happen to things inside of ourselves. Let's watch this together. Excuse me. I know you didn't think anyone would catch you, but you just slammed your door into my car. The least you can do is say you're sorry, lady. You don't have to take that tone. It's not like I'm hurting your resale value. I'm sorry. See? Like that.
just in time for holiday season <laughs> at the mall. Uh, the video is called Duel at the Mall. That's pretty accurate. This uh, obviously is, is somewhat ridiculous. You look at that and say, that, that's crazy. Uh, but what happens a lot of times is that very thing, that like look of joy that they had as they're about to plow into each other, a lot of times that's what we play in our heart. This kind of thing of, they wronged me, I want to pay them back. I want them to pay for what they've done. And that's really kind of what goes on inside of us. I've never been that bold because I like my car uh, and I value the life of myself and those others in the parking lot. But there's a part of us that as you look at that, you can see, you know, I, I've been pretty upset at times and I can relate to that. I can relate to just that. How could that person do that? How could they do that without caring or saying they're sorry? And it kind of shows us this thing that, that goes on within us. And as long as we relate to people for the rest of our lives, there is going to be a battle that we have. And the battle is that just defense mechanism that we have to, to blame others for something that happens. If there's going to be someone accountable for a conflict or something accountable, when something turns into a huge problem, we want it to be the other person. That's just how we're wired. Uh, Jesus in the scriptures talked about this very issue, the fact that when something happens, we tend to look at whose fault it is in the moment. I want to read something from Matthew 7. Math, uh, Jesus is talking to a group of people, and he's doing some teaching, and his disciples are watching, but he's talking to this group called the Pharisees, who were like the religious leaders of the time. And for this group, he's kind of putting them in their place as to how they relate to others. And this is what he says. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. This, this idea of judging is evaluating with the purpose of condemning. Okay, so do, don't do that. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Then he goes on to give an illustration, which I think is, is actually pretty funny. It says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This passage is talking about a specific issue that we have that's really related to the beginning of time when God created Adam and Eve. When God created Adam and Eve, he set the boundaries for their life and said, you, you can enjoy all that I've made except do not eat from this tree. So there was a boundary. You, you, you don't do that. Well, Satan came in, tempted Eve, tempted Adam, and they chose to eat off the tree and they disobeyed God. And forever, mankind is linked to that fall the choice that we've made to, to go our own way. But what's interesting, when that happened, way back at the beginning of time, when God created man and woman, is the blame game started. God came to Adam, Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the serpent, and all of them blamed God. And there's this part that because of that, because of sin, we all have that tendency and as you read Matthew 7, we find that this is a huge issue for all of us. As we relate to our spouse when there's a conflict, there's this tendency where we want to see what's wrong with them the whole time we have something incredibly wrong with us. It could be something specific that we've done. It could be our attitude. But I want to paint the picture of what Jesus is saying. This is what they call a plank. 
And Jesus in Matthew 7 is saying all of us are walking around with this coming out of our eye. Okay? You read the scripture and you think, yeah, we have a plank. But really, can you see just how incredibly strange it would be? Here is a, a speck right here. So if I'm relating to somebody close to me and I say, you know, you've got a real problem. You have this piece of wood that's really messing up your life. And this wood represents maybe a problem, maybe a pattern or something that they're doing wrong. And I'm saying, you know, you you really need to fix that. And they're looking at me. What do they see? (laughs) And what Jesus is saying is that this huge plank, you know, I, I can't even see out of this eye at all. And really, we have two planks coming out of each eye. I can't do that because this will be hazardous to my health. But I, I can't see. My view is completely distorted. And the scriptures are saying that we have to deal with what's going on inside of us in order to help other people. But we are so focused on the splinter, the speck, the piece of dust that we fail to realize that, that we have issues ourselves. And if you're, you're walking around and you're turning, you know, you're smacking people with your stuff, your issues, your problems, the tendencies that, that you have, the patterns that you need to deal with. And you're just turning and you're, you're smacking people all around your life. And the whole time you're saying, you know, you really need to work on that. You really need to work on that. And Jesus is saying, take the plank out. And then you take it out and you're like, whoa, that really wasn't a big deal in your eye. And for the first time you can see clearly. This is the the tension that we all have. It's something that we face in our own life, a problem that we have, and it comes from the blame game. I don't know about you, but when I deal in relationships with others, I have a tendency in my thoughts and emotions, and that's usually to get defensive and to be negative when something happens. When there's a conflict, when there's pressure, my initial tendency is always, well, that, that wasn't my fault. Why why did they do that? And I ask questions that aren't helpful. What you find as you walk with God a a long time and as you get to know Him, and as you do life His way, He begins to transform what you think about. And as you think on things, that transforms the questions that you ask yourself as you try to figure out what's going on in the situation. So in our relationships with people, what we think about and the questions that we ask are crucial. Uh, Incorrect thinking causes us to ask incorrect questions. Yesterday, I was driving to my daughter's soccer game, and I was in the van, and soccer van, there you go, and I wasn't paying attention, and before I knew it, the car had stopped in front of me, and you know, when you're not paying attention, all of a sudden, you look, and the car's there, and I just, you know, and everyone's just, and my initial thought was like, well, he he stopped kind of quick. That was my initial thought, and then... My son was able to bring clarity to the situation. What happened, Dad? We stopped quick. How come? I wasn't paying attention. But my initial instinct was, there's got to be something on the way that this road is wired that maybe the turn and my speed wasn't accurate. And something someone else did caused me to do that. But the bottom line was, I wasn't paying attention. I almost hit the van in front of me. The initial reaction was, that wasn't my fault. Really? I was looking out the window. It was totally my fault, but there's something in me that when put in the corner, there's got to be something else. There's got to be someone else I can blame or something else. And this is the, the rub that we all face because of sin. And in the, the, these moments, we tend to ask incorrect questions. 
Beware of asking incorrect questions as you relate to, to others around you. These incorrect questions usually start with why or who or when. You'll see some on the screen here. Why can't people do what I tell them to? Why doesn't this person understand me? When is someone going to pay attention to the real problem? Who is going to take care of this? Why did they do that? I have asked every single one of these questions. And oftentimes when I'm asking why or when I'm asking who, I'm looking for the person that's responsible, the person that I can blame, the person that brought whatever conflict we're experiencing or whatever problem we're experiencing, whether it's at work, we missed the deadline or we didn't do the project like we were supposed to or at home, we didn't get to where we wanted to go on time or people aren't relating right. My instinct is usually, why didn't they do that? Or when are they going to listen? And these are the incorrect questions. Incorrect thinking in the midst of conflict, it delays healing and accomplishes nothing. These why and who questions are most of the time built on the fact that we are looking at the specs in other people's eyes. We need to learn to ask better questions. Uh, When we inside ourselves, when we start thinking about who's to blame or who's the real cause of a problem, these blame and who, like who did that wrong, those kinds of questions, uh, they they solve nothing. Uh, They create fear. They build walls as we relate to people. And oftentimes in conflict, our personal accountability, it it goes out of the window. But what Jesus is saying in Matthew 7 is we all have to be personally accountable for what we do, what we say, and even a step further, what we think about. Because again, what we think about determines what we focus on. This is actually difficult because I've trained myself to just think about the wrong things, to be negative or get defensive. I've trained myself to do that. But with God's help, he can begin to transform my instinct. And we're all going to think most of the time because of sin, someone else is to blame. It's not that we've had the thought. It's once the thought comes, what, what do we do with it? We have to reject that thinking. The who is responsible and why did they do that? And we have to learn to replace those with the right questions. How to escape this blame vortex, this thing that just pulls us down? How do we begin to focus on the plank instead of the speck? I want to read from uh, 1 Peter 4.8. This gives the flavor of how we're supposed to relate to each other. It says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. This love here is talking really about a love and forgiveness that goes hand in hand. If somebody wrongs you, you're loving them by forgiving them, not holding what they've done against them. You're letting it go. This idea of of cover, that love covers a multitude of offenses, a multitude of sin, a multitude of wrong, it's really this idea of it, it doesn't aggravate the offense. See, when something happens, and even if someone else is responsible for something, even if someone else did cause the, brain, the, the, the problem, the way that we react to that determines if this thing is going to be like a wildfire that just gets out of hand. This idea of covering is like you have a flame on your stove and it's just going out of control. And the only way to put it out is you, you have to cover it. 
You get the, the lid and you, you, you cover the flame and it's extinguished. That's what the love and forgiveness is. The way that we react to others as conflict arises determines what's going to happen to the flame. And the scripture is saying that the love and forgiveness, seeing it from their angle is the key to not aggravating conflict. It's the key to seeing from their perspective. And it takes a lot of thought in the moment. You've got to catch those thoughts that you have that point the finger at others or put the blame or attribute motive. In the moment, we have to watch that and ask, ask God for help. Proverbs 17.9 says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. There you see the, the love and forgiveness. When a fault is forgiven, but if you dwell on it, it separates close friends. This idea of the dwell is what we think about. If someone's done something and they were wrong, if we choose to just replay it over and over in our head and we start to ask those, why did they do that? What were they thinking? Did they not realize this is what I meant? Did they not realize this is what they were told? As we begin to just mull and think and focus on that, the flame again, it, it, it spreads. And it really chokes out the joy in our relationships, chokes out the joy that we experience. So the key here is, is a, the love and forgiveness going hand in hand. It, it extinguishes the flame of conflict. I want to walk you through just practically uh, what this looks like. How do you escape the blame vortex in, in your relationships? Whether that be with your kids, whether that be with your parents, whether that be with your coworkers, your boss, your friends. There's some things that we can do that can really help us. The first is uh, focus on what is right, right, not who is right. Okay, we want to love, want to offer forgiveness, but we want to focus on what is right, not who is right. This is Philippians 4.8, which we've talked about every week of this series. This is really where, where we are supposed to focus our thoughts, specifically as we're faced with, with conflict, as we're faced with just a problem with somebody else. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We have a choice what we think about. And the scripture here is saying we need to think about what is true, what is right, what is pleasing to God. Focus our attention on that. So instead of asking why did they do that, there's some different questions that we can ask. Uh, in the book, uh, QBQ by John Miller, he talks about how to get rid of the incorrect questions that cause problems in our relationships, that can cause problems in our projects as we work with others, and how to ask the right questions. QBQ is, a, is actually a great book on how to think differently in situations and how to ask the right questions. So how to ask better questions in the middle of a collision course that you're facing. First, begin with what or how. And don't ask a question with why, when, or who. Second, contain an I. What are you going to do? What are you going to think about? What's your responsibility? And then focus on an action. So as a problem at work comes, and the initial tendency is, why did they do that? 
You want to think differently. Some questions that you could ask. What, what's true about this person and their situation they're facing? How can I communicate better? The tendency is, why didn't they hear me? But a better question is, how can I communicate better? How can I, myself, in the action, communicate better? What can I do to help them? They're faced with a problem and a deadline. Instead of, ah, they should have done that. They should have gotten on it. We could take personal accountability to, to be a help if we can. As you're parenting and you're just trying to figure out your kids and where they're coming from and the problem you may be facing, how, how can I use different parenting skills to help? So in the middle of a conflict, in the middle of a problem, you have to ignore that, those blame thoughts and think, how, how, can you, how can you be a help? How can you take action to provide some healing, to provide some love, to provide forgiveness to the situation that, that you're faced? So you want to focus on what is right, not who is right. And the third is dwell, dwell on the strengths of others. If you relate to a people over a course of a time, if that's your family, your spouse, your, your coworkers, have you ever taken the time to think about what do they bring to the table? What, what are their strengths? And if you're like me, sometimes you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm going to have to think about that. But everyone that you relate to has strengths. What's good about focusing on the strengths of others is in the midst of the conflict, those are the things that you can recall. If you've never thought about it, it's really hard to see from their perspective. But if you've thought about that, what does my coworker bring? How, how are they a help? How are their skills really helpful to the work environment? Your kids, what, what are things that they, they do well? Your spouse, what, what do you appreciate about them? How do they help you? As you focus on these things, it really does change the flavor as you're in a conflict. Those thoughts still come. Those thoughts that just pull us down will still come, but we can begin to redirect and say, well, is that really true about them? Do they really do that all the time? Like my mind is telling me. But if you focus on the strengths, it begins to balance and you begin to kind of get more center into really what's, what's true about them, what's true about the situation. It's going to be a battle, but as we choose to focus on these and begin to delete the incorrect questions with the right questions, God really provides a new flavor of life, a new opportunity to relate to people in a way that is past just the struggles and the conflict and just the beating each other up all the time. This is the different flavor that God brings as we do life His way. I want to invite Randy up as he's going to walk us through uh, some next steps related to today's message. Thanks, Alex. I, I personally appreciate deeply the Word of God that really gives us direction in uh, how to move out of the struggles that we're dealing with, for sure. I'd like to ask you, if you would, to take the connection card that we talked about earlier, and as the band comes up and gets ready to continue leading us in praise, uh, think through some next steps. What are some next steps that the Lord 
has laid on your heart or that you've thought through as we've been, as Alex has been walking through the message this morning. We've suggested some. Uh, there may be some other information or anything else that you want to put on the card. Let us know about that as well as we wrap up here. But here are some next steps that we're suggesting. First of all, memorize 1 Peter 4.8. Very short verse that can help shift your frame of mind to focus on the right thing. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Just a, a, a deep love from the heart will really help. And there's some things that rather than cover over, if you can't let them go, then you've got to talk it out. But choosing that frame of mind really helps as you move toward discussing and talking through things uh, amongst yourselves. Identify why and who questions and ask God to help me delete those in the middle of conflict. Think through, what, when do I get in a situation where I'm asking, why did they say that again? Why did they do that again? Think that through. And then ask God to help you with that. And then finally, work on thinking through the strengths of people I continually relate to. So easy in family life and marriage with our kids to just think through the things that are starting to irritate us over and over again. And if we'll choose to dwell on the strengths, the things we appreciate, it puts us in the right frame of mind to working through the conflict that we experience. And then if you plan to attend the parent-child dedication, let us know that as well. Really glad you're here this morning. Let's pray together again before the band leads us. Father, we thank you for the, the truth that we find in your word that really does free us from the habits and the patterns that really hurt ourselves and our friends and our family. And God, give us the power to take steps to bring honor and glory to you to do what you've laid on our heart to do today. We ask for your help in this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.